Welcome to the Uncomfortable Truth Podcast, hosted by the rock star of consulting, Alan Weiss. Be prepared to have your beliefs challenged and your behaviors questioned. Welcome back to the Uncomfortable Truth. This episode is called Rudy Giuliani, and you're going to see why, but you'll have to be patient. Along about 40 years ago, I got a call from a youth counselor here in town in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. And he said, your daughter, who I think was nine or 10 at the time, uh, has been caught shoplifting in the local pharmacy. And the pharmacy would one day become the CVS here. And CVS is headquartered here in Rhode Island. Uh, And you have to come down and pick her up. Uh, We're gonna put her in counseling. She has to attend for an hour a week for three or four weeks and so forth. So I went down there to get her. And of course my daughter is crushed, (laughs) you know, in tears. And I said to the uh, owner of, the, of that pharmacy who was there, do you have to be so draconian? I mean, was it necessary? He said, listen, he said, she's not going to jail. There's no arrest record. But we found this is the only way to stop shoplifting. There has to be a consequence. And my daughter is living a fine professional life today, making a good living. And not once has she been arrested for armed robbery since that incident. Now, I relate this to you because there is a certain intelligence in stopping petty theft and petty crimes to avoid larger ones. And now we will get back to Mr. Giuliani. I met him several times. This is before, in my estimation, he went off the deep end, when he was still in the afterglow of being America's mayor. And no matter what you may think, I feel that his behavior during and after 9-11 was exemplary. In fact, there were movements in Manhattan to uh, change the city charter so the mayor could serve a third term because he was in his second and last term. And when I uh, would meet Giuliani in a cigar club we both belonged to, which unfortunately has since lost its lease, he was very affable. Uh, he was very kind. Anybody who wanted uh, his or her picture taken with him, he was happy to take the picture and so forth. Now, what Giuliani did in Manhattan when he was mayor, along with the police commissioner, a guy by the name of Bill Bratton, was they decided on what was sometimes euphemistically called a broken window policy. And that meant there was no crime too small to look into and to penalize the perpetrator if you could catch that person. And so, for example, they decided that people who jumped the turnstile in the subways to save whatever it was at that time, the 50 cents, needed to be stopped. And they did. They put more cops in the subways, and they arrested people who jumped the turnstiles. They decided to get rid of the window washer guys. These were the homeless people, the vagrants, who at a red light would squirt some crap on your windshield, then wipe it off with another dirty rag and expect to get a buck or two from you. Otherwise, they wouldn't let you leave or they'd break your windshield wipers. Giuliani put cops around those corners, and they arrested these guys when they tried it, and it stopped it. Another thing he did was that traffic moved better in New York than ever before and ever since because you could not, what they called, block the box. And that meant you could not block an intersection. And he had police monitoring, not just traffic wardens, and you got a heavy penalty. You got a a fine and you could lose points on your license if you blocked the box. And people went out of their ways, even cab drivers, not to block the box. They would pull over, they get out of the way, they would, whatever it took, because they would be apprehended. Today, of course, in Manhattan, city buses with impunity block the box. They don't give a damn. It's a much different world down there today. And so, by looking into petty crimes, thinking that you'll avoid larger crimes, 
Giuliani and Bratton had a hell of a good idea. New York for a long time was the safest large city in the world, in the world. Now today, of course, CVS finds itself in many locations with shoplifters who take goods out of the store and aren't prosecuted. And we have progressive DAs, progressive prosecutors, the whole bunch who decide that shoplifting, I don't know, under $200 really isn't a crime. Or if it is a crime, they refuse to prosecute. And so if you're a criminal, if you're a shoplifter, you're going to go back and back and back and keep taking things because there is no adverse consequence. There is no penalty. Well, I take that back. There is a consequence and a penalty, and I'll tell you what it is. When you steal enough from a store, they close the store. And then no one in the neighborhood has access to that store. So in the case of pharmacies, if you steal enough, if you allow people to steal enough, and I'm just not talking about the thieves, the thieves, I'm talking about the people in government who, who permit this, then the pharmacy chain will close that store. They shouldn't be expected to operate at a loss and be urged to operate at a loss that's caused by poor law enforcement. And so now, people who are elderly, single parents, people who are disabled, people who don't have their own cars, can no longer walk five minutes to the pharmacy to get their prescriptions and over-the-counter medicine. They have to take a ride for 20 minutes to a pharmacy that's open in a different neighborhood. The same thing applies to retail stores and clothiers and so forth. If you keep getting robbed, you get out of town. Who wouldn't? Wouldn't you? Recently, Governor Newsom in California, who had pretensions sometime about being president, and I'm not sure even knows where he is. I think he is a greater threat to California than a San Andreas fault. He was in a Target or a, 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 a store of some kind like that. And not knowing that the mics that were around for interviews were live, and mics are always live. I mean, you're a stupid politician if you say anything that you don't exactly mean carefully to say with anyone holding a mic. He commented to the people with him that he just saw someone take something off the shelf and walk out of the store, and he was outraged. Well, why would he be outraged? His laws and the city laws in San Francisco support that. Nobody from the store is going to chase them. They probably get sued for apprehending them. Yet the governor was surprised. Imagine what world does he live in? I remember once some brave uh, camera crew reporter in the midst of a riot in one of the cities stopped a rioter and said, why are you doing this? And the rioter said, happened to be a black man, because of 200 years of oppression, I am permitted to do this to make up for it. No, you're not. No, you're not. You know, there's something called the threshold principle. And what it says is that otherwise decent people, law-abiding, decent people, can reach a threshold where their behavior changes. And so a good person standing in a riot where all of his or her neighbors are breaking windows and busting through doors and stealing computers and stealing shoes and are running down the block and getting away with it creates the expectation that this person will do it too and indeed that normative pressure often results in them joining the crowd. When a brave soldier finds all of his or her comrades running away 
that brave soldier might run away. But conversely, when a soldier who's scared finds his or her colleague staying in place, that person tends to stay in place. If the threshold principle, though, calls for people to not only engage in theft because they won't be prosecuted, but to encourage it in others and to seem to lead a better life because they have new shoes and new computers, that's an issue. And that's an issue that people need to start thinking about. And so, if you think about the symbolism we employ that does nothing for this, for example, you go into a Manhattan theater, anywhere in the theater district, and this is probably true in most parts of the country, they, ex they inspect women's purses and pocketbooks. But to say the inspection is cursory is an overstatement. They sort of, they look in the open pocketbook, maybe put a stick to move things around, don't see a bomb and they wave you through. They don't check a woman's pockets. They don't check a man's pockets. And people could really be carrying guns in their pockets. Why do I say that? Because the metal detectors are a fraud. It's not like the airport metal detectors. It doesn't even detect my iPhone in my pocket half the time. And so we employ the symbolism to stop what we think is wrongdoing, but we don't employ enough laws to stop the wrongdoing. You know damn well that uh, if you open a door in an airport that you should and the alarm goes off, you're not getting on that flight. You're going to be held for hours with questioning. But more and more people are starting to act unruly on aircraft. They're unhappy with their seat size or somebody's reclined a seat in front of them or some other grievance. And what happens is when they put up a fuss, they often get off too easy. Some of them get arrested and the case is waived or it's delayed or there's probation. And sometimes charges aren't even filed. And so I go back to Mr. Giuliani, back when he was America's mayor, and back when he and Commissioner Bratton realized that if you want to stop crime, you have to punish all crime. In for a dime, in for a dollar. Because if you let small crime go, then people are going to ex expect to get away with larger crime and larger crime and larger crime, and that's what happens. And so I would suggest to you that stealing something out of a CVS, whether it was my daughter with a dollar makeup pencil, or today with $100 worth of over-the-counter drugs, is illegal and ought to be prosecuted. But when the stores find that they can't do business there anymore because they're taking a loss, and the activists get in the street and say that the government should enact laws so that the company cannot move out or close the store, they're looking at the wrong end of the stick. And the problem is, too often, there's not a stick at all. And that is the uncomfortable truth. You've been listening to The Uncomfortable Truth with Alan Weiss. For free access to Alan's newsletters, audio and video resources, and for information about his global events and coaching communities, please visit alanweiss.com. Thanks for listening. Keep the faith.